Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to violence, the word and the act. While violence cloaks itself in a plethora of disguises, its favorite mantle still remains sex. Violence devours all it touches, its voracious appetite rarely fulfilled. Yet violence doesn't only destroy, it creates and molds as well. Let's examine closely then this dangerously evil creation, this new breed, encased and contained within the supple skin of woman. The softness is there, the unmistakable smell of female, the surface shiny and silken, the body yielding yet wanton. But a word of caution, handle with care and don't drop your guard. This rapacious new breed prowls both alone and in packs, operating at any level, any time, anywhere and with anybody. Who are they? One might be your secretary, your doctor's receptionist, or a dancer in a go-go club. My God! Oh, no! Oh, good evening, go-go dancers out there, wherever you are, whenever you are. Welcome to the Knights of the Underground Table podcast. Uh, tonight, we are going to be talking about um, a 1965 movie that was quite a trip, y'all. It was a real gas, <laughs> if I might say real so myself. Uh, I am your host, John Garcia. With me, as always, is Ryan King. I'm going to talk about this podcast fast, and we're going to talk about this podcast in depth, and I like everything fast and in deep. We don't talk about this podcast soft. We don't do anything <laughs> soft. We only do it hard. Uh, <laughs> and also joining us at the table is Michael Dixon. We also have to talk about this podcast loud, very right. loud, just I, like everyone in this movie. I have to be yelling at you, or I have to be sexually harassing you. <laughs> it has to happen, either one of those, but you can't do neither. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't do both. Yeah, yeah. at the same time, yeah. Um, yeah, and so, as I said, we're talking about a 1965 film called Faster Pussycat Kill, Kill. Uh, have you ever Ryan, seen you this much? Uh, There's a lot of punctuation, punctuation in the title. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's a lot of punctuation in this title. Uh, uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse is, you know, it's up there. It's, it's a lot got of some punctuation in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not a colon though. We're yeah, yeah. Spider Dash Man colon into the Spider Dash verse. <laughs> uh, but yeah, faster pussycat kill kill no colon. No colons. Yeah, yeah they yeah. they knew how to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think this had been on my list at, for a while, and this is just something that you see every once in a while. I'm like, yeah, I should watch that. And the other day when we were at, uh, we went to Memoria, and they were running ahead of time. They're kind of like cult movies. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It popped back in my mind. And I was like, why not watch like the queen of cult movies, supposedly, right? This has had uh, quite the following. I think, especially now having watched it, this is just straight up Tarantino saw this and was like, that's what I want to do for my life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, it feels like that in some ways, especially <laughs> with like Kill Bill. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was just like, all right, that sounds like something fun to watch. I'd like to kind of see it. Um, and yeah, it was a good pick, I think. Um, just real quick rundown, like, 1965 this is kind of like prime time for grindhouse double feature b feature kind of movies a lot of people going to the theater a very experimental time uh this is a you know clearly an experimental movie on a budget of almost nothing uh it was like 50 grand for 1965 and it's like that's Something. nothing yeah um and uh I like what basically the plot is these three go-go dancers who also like to race cars, uh, bump into a couple while they're racing cars and, uh, race and kill the guy and then drag the girl, kidnap the girl, uh, and end up trying to get this old man's money. 
I guess, somewhere else that they bump into. Yeah, and it's just mainly... Like the weirdest Scooby-Doo episode <laughs> yes. in reverse <laughs> somehow. <Yeah. laughs> uh, and it's mainly an excuse to set up uh, tons of sexual innuendos and and conversation, fast-talking conversations. Uh, some lots violence. of big boobs. Yeah, lots, lots of, of big boobs, lots of cleavage, some, some violence, some kind of sexy-ish moments. Um, surprisingly not as gratuitous as I thought it would be. Yeah. 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 Um, we can get to our, like, go ahead and move to our, to our overall top takes. Like, I don't, I definitely want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Like, I really enjoyed it. Like I had a good time. It's, uh, odd. I came around on the dialogue so many times where I like circled <laughs> around between this is stupid and this is hilarious and just kept coming and going from it constantly throughout the movie. Just moments where I just lost it on the dialogue because I just <laughs> couldn't, I couldn't keep up. I couldn't comprehend how it just kept going. Um, but yeah, it kind of feels like a horny teenager watched the big sleep and then was like, I want to write dialogue like that. Yeah. And, and, but that's it. <laughs> that's that's the whole it. movie. It's uh. just that dialogue over and over and over again. Um, but yeah, like it, it, it was fun. It's definitely its own, thing uh as far as like a grindhouse it's surprisingly i would say good for a grindhouse um interesting shots weird kind of things that it's doing but not ever too out there per se it kind of stays like you know what's going on you kind of know who the people are the motivations are fairly clear like there's mm. so many grindhouse movies that we've watched john or giallo movies that you know oh, similar yeah. that's like i have fucking no idea who is who why what's going on this one like keeps it pretty simple to just get to drive cars kill people say sexy things like it just knows <laughs> do, that's do what you're here things. for yeah yeah um so yeah i think it's like i enjoy this is a movie i would totally like watch again <laughs> like this is into the back catalog like i just had a good time vixen yeah i you said you kept going back and forth between this is stupid and this is hilarious i never really got off of this is stupid <laughs> <laughs> um yeah like Really, really bad dialogue, even worse acting. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> just so, so terrible acting. Just everybody's just yelling at each other the whole time. There's no tone. None of the conversations feel real at all. Mm. Um, it's just such a it's such a weird movie. Like it's shot really well. And I was I was very surprised at the difference between the skill of the cinematography and literally everything else. <laughs> uh, just like what the hell is going on with the rest of this movie? It's like they just happened to get one guy who was like... Remind me, I, I saw the horror movie X a few weeks ago. I, I refuted it and recommend a refute. And in that movie, they're making a porno, but the guy who's shooting it is like, we can make a good porno. We can make a classy, dirty movie and like yeah. make elevated, dirty movies. And like That's what this feels like to me like it's not porn obviously but like oh we can take a like grindhouse movie and like actually make it high art and make it good is like but like the cinematographer is the only person who was actually like, does that. thinking that way um i like the characters like who the fuck are these women like they're go-go dancers that are in some sort of weird violent racing gang like what the hell is going on here like very unclear who they are what their motivations are they seem to just be agents of chaos wanting to just fuck with everyone in their path for no apparent reason aside from when they discover that apparently this old guy has money somewhere but still they're fucking with people before that you know so like i don't the whole thing was very confusing and you know it ended and i was like that was that was it that's what we were going for i guess like it kind of turns into a 
slasher film kind of thing toward the end. But um, yeah, I was kind of bored with this, honestly. Like I, I was very interested at the start with the cinematography. I was really impressed by it. I was like, okay, what are we doing here? And then I felt like it just never really went anywhere. And um, yeah, we can get more more into it. But yeah, basically I was not not super impressed with it. But yeah, John, uh, I'm, uh, I've seen this movie twice now. I watched it earlier today. I watched it on Sunday in between then and even before then <laughs> I watched Memoria before that. And then I saw Memoria <laughs> after the first viewing of this. And I saw a, a 1965 Taiwanese film. Uh, so I've got like whiplash right now, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I enjoyed this. <laughs> um, yeah. From like the dialogue, which seemed like, like a grindhouse interpretation of Mae West to yeah. um, the like fast racing scenes and kind of just the general let's like move shit along in this weird way and have these characters like bounce off of whatever obstacles I enjoyed having there not be like a good and bad person necessarily in it. Like the, I guess the most pure person is the person who gets kidnapped and then the, the rest of it's like yeah. the, the dumb the, son, the one son and the is, other dumb son. Yeah. <laughs> They're both dumb sons in their, in their own way. Um, yeah, it's just like they're, they're, it's setting up things for like a tragedy. And so I, uh, towards the end of it, when everybody started dying, I was like, oh, this is like Grindhouse Shakespeare. This is absolutely like a <laughs> <laughs> its own way of like, we don't, we'll just end it this way. And, and it was kind of like rad action scenes and the fights. And like um, there was some uh, uh, sort of revenge mixed up in there to get me to like actually care about. I wanted the vegetable to win. Uh, I was like, yeah, I want you to like have some kind of sentience. You're the most tragic figure in this whole movie. I hope that something comes of it. And to see that dude push back a car was awesome. <laughs> um, that, so, yeah. that scene reminded me of uh, Rick and Morty, the second interdimensional cable episode where they have a oh, segment the just called man versus car. <laughs> and it's like, it's Michael Jenkins versus a regular old car. Yeah. And the car just <laughs> runs him over and like puts him into a bunch of pieces. Like guys like, wouldn't the cars always win. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, even with some of the, like, there's some serious characters just have completely different motivation swings at different times. Like, I think even in the intro, it sets you up for it. Um, and so that's kind of like, I feel like we can dive in at this point. We've all kind of given yeah. perspectives on it, but we open on like that, that intro that you heard followed by like, they could even be go-go dancers. And immediately you're just seeing like, a quick shot of them dancing as go-go dancers. And, and the dude's just like... This guy going, go! Freaking out, go. yeah. <laughs> I was like, is this what go-go dancing is? Is that why they call it that? Because one man just yells go somewhere in the yeah. bar? Like, how does that work? Um, and and so then the, they immediately just get off their shift and go out looking for trouble, just driving in the desert, just finding people to fuck with. Yeah, so <laughs> then we're going straight to them fucking around. They're going to go to uh, a nearby creek in the middle of the desert somehow. I, yeah. I don't know where the geographic Yeah, one of them goes are. rogue and drives away from the pack toward the creek and it makes yeah. the other two very mad. Yeah, and yeah. like jumps in the water and starts swimming around. Billy Fully clothed. A, yeah, Billy's With a free go -go spirit. boots still on. Yeah. Yeah, we, this is where we learn Billy's unhinged in some way, I guess, that they don't understand, even though they're both clearly She's like unhinged in their like own like the ways. happiest maverick renegade of any gang. Uh-huh, yeah. Who uh, might be like the closest to human of all of them in terms of her empathetic connection to people? But maybe, uh, yeah, maybe. Who knows? 
Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Varla, Rosie and Billy and Varla is the meanest of the gang as I see it. Um, kind of the, also the boss. Yeah, yeah. Kind of the ringleader, the ringleader, uh, Varla commands Rosie to go fetch Billy from the lake and they wrestle immediately. There's like <laughs> this weird playfulness initially. And then it just goes straight into like, no, there's an actual scuffle here happening. Uh, they don't like each other. We know that these characters have somehow a cohesion and at the same time, a heavy tension mm-hmm. between them. Yeah. Um, there's also like, they go into the water and then come out and are fighting on the shore and are completely dry. Yeah, they dry up suddenly. <laughs> and yeah. then yeah. it's like, oh, they're, they're like clothes are covered in sand. And then the next thing they stand up and they're completely clean. Yeah. <laughs> like just yeah. no continu- continuity in any of the shots. The desert is a giant towel. They dry real fast. Yeah. We have a lot of like people getting wet that are suddenly like way too dry the next time uh-huh. we see them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And according to Billy, everything's a gas. Um, speaking of which they're like, let's go race our cars. Uh, like they just kind of drive them around. Um, these, Oh, they really play a game mad. of chicken. Yeah. They play a game That's of chicken. They play a game because of chicken. Oh, right. Varla's yeah. like, you think that you both can handle whatever. And then immediately it just cuts to like a game of chicken that Varla wins. Cause they both freak they out. Swerve out of the race. She the has same proved time. she is the alpha. And uh, the victor goes the spoils. I don't know. How she showed them goes. they're yeah. still alive. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's got to be like car pack theory or something at play here. I'm not familiar <laughs> with the car community and the subculture, but uh, who knows how dominance works? You've seen all the Fast and the Furious movies, Dixon. There's got to be something yeah. to this. Yeah, uh, there is. They do. Vin Diesel and Jason Statham play chicken with their cars yeah. in uh, the seventh one. Boom. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, one one of them like reinforce. I think Statham reinforces his chassis so he destroys Vin Diesel, and then then it it gets gets crazy from there, man. Oh, man. I just <laughs> want to see like chicken. Is that yeah? <laughs> I want to see like a solid like BBC footage of um, David Attenborough from behind bushes oh, popping yeah. up, and there's like a car race, and he's just like there they are <laughs> in the natural habitat fighting for dominance. <laughs> um, yeah, so they do their game of chicken, then. This young stud shows up to, I don't, I, this we, really just, which initially I was like, they come out of nowhere and I'm like, how do they just bump into these people in the middle of the desert? And then I guess we establish mm-hmm. in a minute that like, there's a track there, I guess. So sure. yeah, there's a track. They're also not too it. far off the road. True. Because yeah. they were just playing chicken on the road. But that he also came out there to race. Like, I guess this is just an area where it's sort of a salt flats where you yeah. Yeah, try to time yourself where or race. All or car whatever. commercials are shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, Somewhere yeah. in the Mojave, yeah. I guess, is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere where Sam Elliott will narrate your life. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, Only so, if your life isn't gay. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, like, they, they get... Uh, yeah, the, this young dude yeah, shows yeah. up with his Lolita. She looks very young for she him. Looks very she looks young. very young for him. That's, I'm just going to say it. Um, Who's and, just wearing a bikini. Yes. Like, they drove out there... No, he's wearing like board shorts, but like she's just wearing a bikini. Yeah, he looked like he came from like the country club nearby (laughs) and she's somewhere else. But uh, I guess they're dating. I have no idea what their relationship is. They're both part of the same car club, apparently. She is thrilled about it, though. She's so happy and perky and and until until things go south, she is just thrilled to be alive. She's essentially a character that just came out of like, what is it, Beach Blanket? 
what is what is that movie called? Which like Gidget one? or something like. Oh, she just yeah. came out of another '60s movie. About, Don't make waves. Like being cool on the beach, man. Like <laughs> and just yeah. accidentally stepped into this. At movie. any point in time, some twangy guitar could come out of nowhere yeah. and they'd have like a dance, and then Batman's there suddenly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. Adam West Batman specifically, <laughs> not Robert Pattinson. <laughs> That's a different different movie. movie. <laughs> just just moping in the corner, and the frisbee just hits yeah. him in the head. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, her, her boy is like, yeah, I'm going to do this race. You time me. I'm just going to go and like time trial, race the time trial. Yeah. And, uh, this makes no sense to the go-go dancers, uh, Varla, especially who is like, I don't beat times. I beat people, yeah, which she later anything. commits to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She beats the shit out of him <laughs> after they get into a really heated race. And she like cuts him off I, and tricks him into pulling away. Yeah. There's like an insinuation, like they keep saying how he's like, what does he have like the safety points lead in the oh, car yeah. club or some no, shit? He's the <laughs> safest guy. He's the safest driver and Varla is just like, that doesn't mean anything. And yeah, they set him up they as go, a square. I like this though, the way they go, we're going to go race around this once. I swear that's what they said. And then yeah. we have this race and where they, they go, go around, around like, like four times. Yeah, four times. Yeah. Also that, that track came out of nowhere. Like yeah. where the fuck was that? Like they were just driving in the desert in the middle of nothing. Like, oh yeah, we'll just go around this track that's right here. Like what the, f- where yeah. was that? I guess that's why they were there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and yeah, I guess it's not quite clear because we just sort of see this race, which we get some really interesting shots. Like I was going to say, this is where like we get these shots from below the car outside shots, um, which is just clearly them like shaking the car while they're sitting in it, but it gives a good effect. Uh, And then a couple, like we get one in like Varla's lap looking up through the wheel of the car, like up to her. Oh yeah. 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 There were just a lot of like, there was, I was, I didn't think it was someone who necessarily was like good at cinematography as much as just like, what can I do? What else can I do? What would happen if I did this? What does this look Mm -hmm. like? Like they were just throwing everything at the wall uh, constantly with shots yeah, how can I make this engaging in, yeah. in some way? Um, yeah, I, I found those like, yeah, those racing scenes were super compelling, even with like the car shaking in the middle of it. I was like, yeah, there's a little bit of like pulls me away from it. But at the same time, like it's a good technique stylistic. to show. Yeah, stylistic. Yeah, it's um, like you know what they're doing, but it's still it still works. Yeah. And I think also because it's black and white, it kind of helps because you don't see a sky that necessarily has clouds or anything that kind of indicates that there's movement around it. I was just like, Oh, that's in the background. Like, it's fine. I don't care. Um, so we, we get to like the whole point where Varla cuts off, uh, the, I don't remember what his name is. It doesn't matter. Tad. <laughs> Tad. That guy's not even in the credits. Yeah. Of the movie, yeah. So the movie doesn't even yeah, care about weenie, this guy. Weenie boy, whatever. Uh, <laughs> he, the guy whose car needs a paint of a paint job of yellow. Cause yeah. he's a coward. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And he, he like, it does uh, this weird? Does he does he hit the wheel of the car? Does he fuck up? I think he gets like upset. He hit the wheel. I oh, think he's just like defeated, and he puts his head down on oh, the wheel. Oh, you yeah. little baby! He yeah, pulls he kind of like spins out. Upset. Yeah, he spins out and like puts his head down on the wheel, like upset. Yeah, and then uh, I guess that upsets his girlfriend that like the race got heated. Yeah, and so then they just immediately start fucking with her. Like they, they mm-hmm. did not. Yeah, they just like pull off the stopwatch. Which she's like, that's his stopwatch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, he earned that. earned that stopwatch. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they just start like antagonizing her, which then he comes out, White Knight, to yeah. rescue, and Varla just, just immediately fucking wails him. on him. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he, he, like, she gives him the option to walk away, and he says, Yeah, I guess I should, and then starts trying to fight her, takes her down with like a punch, but he doesn't like immobilize her yeah mm-hmm. and he immediately is like well the job's done and he turns around and she just hits him in the back of the head 
knocks him down, puts her foot on his back, and breaks his fucking arms. <laughs> basically, is what he it just seems like. Dies? He's, he's dead. Just, yeah, it looks like she just pulled his shoulders out of yeah. their sockets, and then he's just dead. <laughs> Somehow broke his back. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. He's immobilized and dead in the desert now, and. Um, they're like, like she hit right. the right pressure point that just killed him. Yeah, <laughs> it's the it's the five toed palm of death. I don't know. Yeah, she does some like uh, yeah. she, she does. Varla likes the karate chops like to the neck <laughs> yeah. and the cut. Yes, it's quite a lot of those. She got him. Um, yeah, and then immediately the gang's resolve is, ah, oh, fuck, we committed a murder. Varla got carried away again, <laughs> I guess, in some context. And uh, the the easiest thing to do is to kidnap the girl that's there. Like they truck her, her and throw the body in the trunk and drive off to like figure it out later, yeah. I guess. Yeah. While they're figuring it out, they pull into a gas station with the gummiest attendant <laughs> who <laughs> kindfully tells them all the exposition we'll need for the rest of the film. <laughs> As, After he like dresses them down, like there's yeah. a, there's a couple great moments there of like where he's talking to him or whatever. And he, it, well, the whole, like it's suddenly like comedic where he's trying to find yeah, uh, the gas tank. The gas uh-huh. tank, and he can't figure it out in this race car. And then, yeah, when he like he's like looking at Varla, and his eyes just go down, like you can just see it. Yeah. And he's talking about how like <laughs> yeah, it's you driving across America. Huh? I always say you got to see America first. And I was like, that hits different. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and she's like, yeah, well, the map's not down there. And yeah, she goes, like, yeah, it's not oh. map's not down there, Columbus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, he immediately goes on to objectifying the because the girl, other yeah who's asleep who's and asleep, it yeah. starts talking about her bikini and how it like shows so much skin and that suntan lotion companies must be making this a is, lot of money now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i is, wish we had to spend more time with this guy like he was by far the most engaging character <laughs> yeah he's so over the top. like i i want to know more about him like he looks like he's maybe 35 and has no teeth in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. what is it? What has happened to this man that he has lived such a hard life that he is has no teeth and he's working at a gas station attendant here. And like, I'm very interested to, we need a spinoff movie about yeah. this guy. Just the, yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. who he sees as he goes through. Mm-hmm. He feels like the guy, if you had an extended universe that they would always stop at his gas station. Yeah. I'm surprised. Like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if at one point Tarantino tried to look him up and get him in a movie. See if he can put him in a movie. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's credited as a gas station attendant as Mickey Fox. And the actor's name was Michael Finn. I think Mickey mm. Fox is a pretty rad name, honestly. Um, but yeah, they need that spinoff. Mickey Fox's gas station or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he proceeds to um, well, like Billy. To Billy sees. Off. Yeah, she, he's just talking about all kinds of shit. And, and Billy's and like, "Fucking hurry up!" Billy sees, sees this like uh, hot guy. Like she just immediately like just like cat calls him essentially, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's just like, "Oh man, look at that hunk of meat over there." Yeah. <laughs> who's yes. who's lifting his dad in a wheelchair up into the back of a truck? <laughs> yeah, he's got a heart of gold. <laughs> The dynamic between the son and his dad reminded me of um, Arrested Development with um, Martin Short when he plays that like bodybuilder who's crippled and he like won't he refuses to go in a wheelchair because he thinks it's demeaning so he pays like a buff guy to carry him around. around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like oh this has that energy like I wonder if if the Arrested Development guy like Mitch Hurwitz saw that movie and was like I need to put that's that funny. into that's the funny. show. Yeah. Yeah. So and, Billy objectifies him. Yeah, Billy objectifies him, and then that somehow the gas station like attendant hears that and is like, "Oh yeah, that's so and so, Mister Whatever." They call him the rich. vegetable. Yeah, and his son, the vegetable. The son. <laughs> <laughs> he has a bunch of money supposedly all over his land, and he's just out there with his dumb son. Yeah, 
he lays it up to is like, he doesn't trust the banks and something traumatic happened to him. And so he has all of this money from the traumatic thing that he doesn't want the banks to have. So it's all on his property. It's gotta be there somewhere. A man like that. God, that's a real shame. Nobody gives a shit about him in town. Cause he doesn't give a shit about anybody else. If he ever disappeared, it would be the worst <laughs> thing for him, but nobody else. <laughs> no one would ever <laughs> yeah, know. No know. Yeah. He just <laughs> yeah. stopped living. Just amazing. <laughs> Like amazing foreshadowing, yeah. man. And then I like how like Varla essentially is just like, which she says something to him about like, all right, let's go. And then they just know, yep. like, oh, we're headed that guy's land to get that money. <laughs> they they yeah. just know <laughs> immediately what the plan is. We're gonna go in through the back door, and we're gonna find out what's going on. So they like roll they come up to his land. They come up with this convoluted plan to have to pretend that the kidnapped girl, yeah, was in the race club who ran away from her parents with that guy or boyfriend died in an accident, but her boyfriend flipped the car and died. And that's why and So they're bringing her back, but need to do it quietly because they don't want the police to know. Cause the dad Family's is a politician. A politician. Yeah. And even Billy calls out that this is so phony. It seems real, <laughs> which I think <laughs> yeah. is a really funny line to just be like, that just seems like enough bullshit for somebody to be like, all right, sure. Uh, and Varlow's like, you just have to believe it. <laughs> like, you just have to, no, you, you don't have, have to, to believe act, it. You, you just have to act, act it. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, calm down. A true director. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it was such a convoluted backstory. I was like, what the fuck are they inventing this, like, entire thing? Like, there's got to be a simpler way to explain why well, you have this girl in your car. Yeah, right? I like, just, I was trying to figure out. Or just like, kill her. Like, they seem to have no qualms about doing that to anybody else. Yeah, like, th their plan is to come onto this guy's land and then just find his money. And they need this, like, story to hang out a little while. Like I was, I didn't even really understand like what yeah. the plan was, why they felt they needed that. Cause I thought like the plan was going to be like, we go to his land we kill him and then we dig up the money. <laughs> like, right. What? Yeah. yeah. But uh, the movie would be much shorter. Yeah. That was there the wouldn't plan. be any more to <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I also couldn't determine if, if they're just like, you know, the free spirited, uh, like rogues that they are, if they were genuine misandrists that were like, yeah, just fuck any dude. Uh, I don't care about any man that comes across my path or whatever it was, because pretty much all the men in the movie, they just treat like shit, except for, I guess they treat they, each other like shit. They too. Treat they other like shit and they too, treat that girl like, like shit. Like they hate everyone. Everybody hate treats everybody like shit. Like yeah. the old man treats his kid, his sons like shit. Uh -huh. I guess the one, the lesser dumb son, initially yeah. is okay one who's to his reading dad. books yeah uh yeah he's he's cooking up a plot to take the money ryan because he reads <laughs> he reads there's <laughs> such a an interesting like i don't know there's a lot of counterculture in it that i was interested in kind of picking apart just from like a zeitgeist of the time kind of thing like dixon you're like i don't know any of these characters i don't relate to it but i feel like mm -hmm. in that decade in that time you're like that fucking guy's a square if he's like the safety chief at his car right, club right and this old yeah, dude maybe. who rails against democrats and like how i can't <laughs> tell amazing. the women against the men and the brother from sister until i see him from the front right. yeah because yeah, like, they let just, women wear pants now yeah <laughs> <laughs> he cannot tell if what gender someone is, unless they're wearing pants or a skirt, that is the delineating factor. These yeah. these women in pants with massive like, racks yeah, and just oozing say, sexuality. He <laughs> thinks they're dudes. I like the concept that he thinks from behind that Billy might be a guy. Yeah. Like, I'm like, there's yeah. no way in that like short top and, hot pants. Yeah, hot pants. <laughs> like, yeah. like this is a guy. Yeah, he also at one point accuses them of being nudists because they don't have enough yeah. clothes. Right, yeah. <laughs> just, I don't think he knows what nudists yeah. are. Yeah, I, I, this old man is far from 
touch. They do just touch is. <laughs> immediately get naked and take a shower in his like it was a water tower. So I, yeah. I, I can't blame him. They roll up with that story. They well, they don't even tell him the story initially. They just roll up and ask if they can use the water. He's like, yeah, sure. We get we get a little exposition, of course, of like Varla spying on him and the vegetable and well, who's the other son? The the Kirk. Kirk. He just has a name like <laughs> Captain Kirk. The old man, the vegetable, old and man, Kirk. vegetable, and Kirk. That's yeah. a TV show right there. <laughs> like, um, yeah, Kirk catches Varla and is like kind of nice about it to an extent, but interrogative uh, and brings her in. The old man comes out with like shotgun and is like, "What are you doing on my land?" Oh, you're like a woman. Okay, sure. Um, and it's just because oh, he's yeah, got he this, immediately like, changes his tune. And then as soon as they walk away, he's he like turns the vegetable and it's like, what he says something about like, oh, these ladies are only just like one step away from settling down. And yeah, they need the right handler. <laughs> yeah, we just, we'll, we'll take care of them. Just like, yeah, like, he just immediately like, doesn't want anyone on his land. But as soon as it's like a young lady, he's he's way into it, into a disturbing level. Yeah, and uh, and pour the vegetable. I wish he had a name. Uh, he just yeah. has to sit there and it's be my like, seed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not his son, but not my son. Seed. It's yeah. my seed. <laughs> um, yeah, the girls go. We we immediately cut to Billy showering and saying how much a shower is a gas. Billy thinks everything <laughs> is a gas. gas. Uh, Rosie hates everything that Billy enjoys, <laughs> and Varla is the mo to their three stooges. Yeah. <laughs> knuckleheads and just like, <laughs> Fuck them together. Um, yeah, they, they like kind of reinforce uh, the old guy comes out to their car or their bandwagon and kind of is like trying to investigate what they're doing. They go meet him halfway just so that uh, the girl can't talk to their captive, can't talk to him and get any kind of words in. So they immediately plant their convoluted backstory, which he mm. 100% believes because he doesn't care anymore at he this point. Really yeah, he just wants matter. them on the property. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He invites them to lunch and they're like, okay, cool. And then he goes back to the house and, and Varla and the rest of them are sitting around talking. <laughs> Varla says, and here's where our screenplay starts to unfold right now. And I was like, wait a minute. What the fuck is this? Like a note that somebody wrote on the screenplay that the actress who played Varla mistook it. for dialogue. And yeah. then it just got in the movie. Yeah. Like, it, it, yeah it reminds me of, uh, of the guy in black dynamite who reads all of his stage direction where he's like, Lamilton stands startled. And he's like, sarcastically, I'm in charge. Well, like not I, so many times in this movie, cause that's an example right there too, where they start saying that, that the other people they're talking about are like, five maybe ten feet away right and they're uh -huh. talking so loudly about <laughs> their plan yep that it just it really is whatever's in frame is the the cone of silence like outside yeah, of that nobody, nobody's supposed to hear it it's just for the audience and them it's like a soliloquy <laughs> yeah there you go they take that aside back to the you know there's a little shakespeare here going on. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so they they decide that, yeah, we'll go to lunch. Sure, we'll humor these old guys because we're trying to figure out where the money is. Uh, it's two motivations working towards each other to pull these parties together uh, and try to buy more time with both parties, which I found to be an interesting and kind of compelling narrative mechanic. Like mm -hmm. yeah, They both think they're going to fuck over the other party. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so they... And we get to this, like, con we get to a little bit of a convoluted moment because it, like, things, they split up a little bit, like Rosie and Varla go, go off and give in Billy... The cars i don't know yeah they're like looking for they start to look for something i guess and then they they give billy the girl they kidnapped and are like you handle this yep billy wants to do the vegetable and billy also <laughs> wants to just leave their gang she's like i'm fucking done she doesn't uh, really care anyway but she's there just to ha just to 
get down with the vegetable. Like that's her whole motivation. (laughs) She just lives in the moment. Yeah. Every single second of existence is just, what can I do to make me feel good right now? Yeah. Yeah. Live, laugh, do the vegetable. Yeah. That's her motto. So she and Billy go to the vegetable and the old man, she, Billy goes off with the vegetable leaving the girl with the old man. We get the one topless shot, which I was like looking at my bingo card for grindhouse, like B movie. Uh And I was like, at that point, I, I Darla watched this with me, which we can talk about <laughs> in, in its own segment. Um, at one point, I like that that guy had his the vegetables like working out. He's like showing how he works out and his shirts mm. off. And I was like, I did not think the first person I would see with their top off in this movie would be a guy. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, I was like surprised that the only person I saw with their top off was the guy. Yeah. We get some Very like surprising. tasteful behind the back shots of Varla and Billy, but like the fact that it was not more. You know, even whatever the guy, old man says, there's yeah. so much skin. Only male well nudist, but it was like surprisingly, yeah, yeah, not not nudity that I expected. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, something happens, some kind of altercation between the old man and the girl. I'm assuming he grabs her. He has something in his hand, but yeah, grabs he, he her clothes or something. Tells Billy it's cool if she leaves the girl with him. What could he possibly do? He's a he's a guy in a wheelchair. He's old. Oh, uh, we've heard this story enough times, everybody. To he's know also not he's that up to no old. good. He's yeah. probably like in his like mid to late fifties or something. Like he's still yeah. very capable of harassing us. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. Like, well, should, I guess it's because he can't walk. Is the only maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then Billy just hoofs it into the desert, which was something. Or not Billy, the the kidnapped girl. Yeah. Something she could have done at any point anyway. I was like, why did she stand around with the old man if as soon as he groped her, she was like, fuck it, I'm running. Like she just run anyway. Was it? <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, uh, and she gets picked up by Kirk, who at this point she hadn't met. Yeah, only Varla and maybe I think just Varla. I think Varla had met Kirk, so she doesn't realize and and like unloads on Kirk all the crap that's led to this kidnapping. Just honestly, like it's one of those things where, like, look, Kirk, you really failed somebody who is in a panic state trying to tell you something real. Like, what is the reaction where you're like, hey, just calm down. Here, let me hug you. And yeah. uh, you just tell me all about how they killed your boyfriend and they're keeping you captive here. And she couldn't, like, I don't even know. It's, like, weird that Kirk was like, well, I'm already on my way from the place you were running from. Let's just go together. <laughs> right. Yeah, how else would you, where have you even come from but possibly my house? Yeah, yeah and yeah. then his first reaction is, like, let's not drive back into town. He's like, well, we'll go to my house. Where... He knows, we find out for sure later, he knows his dad and the vegetable are a bad time because mm-hmm. he later in the desert is more like, oh, yeah, they pretty much will rape any woman that comes onto our yeah. property. And I'm like, you do that? You brought the girl back? Like Kirk, dude. <laughs> and the whole time he's like, it's okay. I know it's it's safe here. I live here. Yeah, I thought like, we were setting you up. You live here? Oh, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I thought we were setting up Kirk to be just as bad as, as the others. I was yeah. a little surprised yeah. by the end of this that he that we got kind of like a he's okay moment and he gets his own thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was, that was a little weird. Yeah. yeah. I didn't feel like he was deserving of a redemptive arc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was weird. They set him up like speaking of like the counterculture aspect, they set him up as kind of like, Oh, he, he reads and that's like all that Kirk really does. And he goes into town to buy stuff. It's like the most neutral portrayal of somebody. Like he's not, Pouring over books like a like a nerd or a square would. He just, just has read fucking, a book. He's yeah. read a book and his dad's like, he's probably planning something with that one book he read. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not much uh, for book learning myself. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that's what makes me conclude. It's like the vegetable, you know, is is probably the best character in this movie for me anyway. In terms of like a hero, even though he's done terrible shit. 
he's been manipulated he's by somebody manipulated. in a tragic yeah. way. Yeah. And he, he he's also like it. some level of mentally disabled. Yeah. 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 And, and has his own redemption. At the, that was the only redemption. I was like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I like, I like that. I, it's sad and it's tragic in its way. Kirk, I don't give a shit. Like you almost got to have sex with Varla <laughs> and then you saved the girl that you brought back to your weird ranch <laughs> with your terrible father. Yeah. I'm not giving you credit for fixing the problem that you created. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't sound how this works. Um, yeah, I was going to say, too, like, I've, I've seen the other 60s movie I've seen that reminded me of the scene of uh, uh, the vegetable working out um, when she calls him Tarzan, me Tar- yeah. you Tarzan, me Jane. Yeah. Uh, She's trying so hard to get him yeah. to get down, and he just has no idea what's going on. He's like, uh, okay, <laughs> this is a weird form of cheerleading for my pump, pumping iron. Um, like in Don't Make Waves, that's the movie with, like, that's one of those beach exploitation films with Tony Curtis yeah. and Sharon Tate. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> they bring, uh, they bring like Mr. Universe in like the Mr. Universe of that year is Sharon Tate's like boyfriend as a character. And like, all he does is lift heavy shit in any scene he's in. Uh, they're utilizing him for everything that he's ever shown in his performances. And I was like, was it Arnold Schwarzenegger? It, it was not Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was somebody else, uh, somebody else who pulls a whole bus that has like the parking <laughs> brake on or some shit. And I was just like, cool that's a scene <laughs> and then immediately goes to tony curtis peeping on people at the beach it's just like, <laughs> this is a weird movie everybody <laughs> um yeah so they they bring her back she's trapped they get her back in time for lunch yeah kirk then they come back, back, back for, for lunch, lunch where she just doesn't need anything and kirk then like the dad explains to kirk like oh no and he gives the backstory that varla gave and Kirk is just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I guess. I accept it. Yeah. Really? He, he suspects, he but see, he doesn't yeah. really try that hard to right, figure like, out okay, anything. Okay, whatever. Yeah. I'm not going to, too much effort to poke holes in this. Yeah. Right. And then we just have a, a lunch where they just throw. Uh, the vegetable eats like two chickens. Yeah. <laughs> chickens. <laughs> yes. yeah. Uh, we just like throw sexual innuendos and at everybody. at everybody back and forth and yeah. make weird comments all lunch. But dad's like, Oh, he's great. He's the best son. He cooks for me and all the stuff. And Varla like denigrates him by trying to like emasculate him. She's like, does he sew too? Yeah. And the, oh, the, yeah. Like the old guy's like only his like raw oats or something. <laughs> yeah. Weird. His royal oats. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just like, all right, sure. Uh, Billy, My son fucks. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Billy said something great, though. I can't remember what the line is. Where oh, she's she like, look, I only care about three things. She's, I'm old like, enough to vote. Yeah. I'm old enough to, to screw. And I'm screw old enough to, drink. to drink whiskey. And yeah. like, it didn't work with screw. I can't vote. There's nothing election like, until next year or something. Yeah. And give me that whiskey. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, all right, sure. Why not? Just pour it out. She proceeds to get instantly movie drunk. Yeah, with and, like one or two drinks of whiskey, she's yeah. fucking gone. <laughs> yeah, she probably didn't eat anything. That's really what it yeah, was. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the vegetable ate it all. Like, you know, uh, Kirk yeah. and Varla start making eyes at each other. Yeah, and Billy starts making really provocative comments toward Varla, insinuating she's murdered somebody and left them in the desert somewhere. Uh, something about like the sand on on the girl's yeah. clothes. Uh, the girl's name is Linda. I don't remember them oh, okay. ever saying Linda, but Linda. They don't really talk to her. It's the only her. time they left the sand on her yeah, clothes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then like immediately, uh, Billy just gets smacked by, I can't remember if it's Rosie that decides to do it or Varla goes straight up. I think Varla, Varla goes get, for it. Varla goes for it. Varla tries to put Billy in her place. Uh, 
And then after that, it's kind of, there's like a scatter at the table. Yeah, again, again, everybody separates out for whatever reason. So like Varla and and Kurt go and make out. Rosie is upset about this and watches. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Rosie cucks herself. Rosie has like nothing to do in this movie. They just give her an over-the-top Italian accent and she really just has to be quiet and do whatever Varla Varla wants. Like she doesn't really get her own character like Billy does. She's just kind of the silent sidekick who is just angry all the time. Yeah. yeah, she's Varla's little henchman, mm-hmm. henchwoman. Yeah, I couldn't. At times, I couldn't discern if she was doing an Italian accent or a Russian accent, or if they were just the same for her. <laughs> or what. Yeah, I assumed it was Italian because she kind of looked Italian, and she, you know, it yeah. sounded it sounded Italian to me. But <laughs> yeah. it was the "us" at the end that she added that I was like, "Oh, it's Italian." Okay, yeah. It was like an in between <laughs> yeah. where I was like, "Not really sure," but okay. Uh, I guess Billy, is this where Billy and the vegetable go back out to try to make out again? And no, the Billy and the vegetable don't do anything because the vegetable still doesn't know. Billy's drunk and talking to Linda about just, she's like venting at some point. She's like, yeah. I think it's about that time that I'm drunk enough to pass yeah. out. And like, that's Yeah, because they make her happens. stay behind. Every time yeah. there's like, they separate, Varla's like, Billy, you stay with the girl. Yeah. Every, and then like Billy four fails times. every time. Yeah. Uh, keep an Billy, eye on her. Billy, she keeps telling her to do it, even though. Billy just doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, At some point we have that. I can see it's like, it's a little hard to remember now. having not seen it twice. Seen it twice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, there, there is another scene before where Billy and the vegetable like get further away from the house and the trains go by That's and right. the vegetable like freaks out about the trains, but explains that he's freaking out. Not because he's freaked out by the trains, but that the old man goes nuts whenever the train goes by. Yeah. We had this weird scene where the old man is like timing the train coming by and complaining about it being late. Yeah. And then it's like late every time it's late. I was like, then that's the time it comes out. If it's late every single time, right, that's yeah. the new time. Oh man. Get <laughs> it's like everything's off schedule today. Like I, I expected to be scared five minutes ago and the train is going, which the train whistle sounds to me like a boat coming in. <laughs> that's just like the Foley they had, or if they actually got a train whistle that sounds like that. But I was just like, is there a boat? What is he doing? And then he said, translate. I was like, Oh, I'm totally in a different, they're in the desert. Why would there be a boat here? But <laughs> there's a lake nearby and <laughs> whatever. No. Um, and he seems to never really freak out when a train comes by or I don't remember him doing so. But then they tell this weird backstory about how like he got crippled because he was trying to help a girl, girl get on a train that was like she was trying to jump on as it was leaving or something. And she made it onto the train and he ended up crippled and she like left and never talked to him again. And like he's trying to like relive that through the young girl who was captured or something is I don't, it was hard to follow in in some way that always ends up with a girl being killed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, of mice and men style by the vegetable. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can never really, I couldn't piece together what was happening. It was like, is he taking his aggression out on women because that one woman got back up and just got on the train and left him to die? Yeah. Cause that's what they make it sound like where they're like, yeah, he fell through and she just kind of like got she back got on, on the, the train and got on the train. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> got like, on the train what? and left. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, they, they go there. There's now we get our whole split up. Yeah. And yeah. Kirk and, and, and Varla make out and there's this like Rosie's Kirk is obsessed there. with her in some way of like can't control himself. Like because like, I'm weak. I'm That's weak. what he says yeah. to her. He's yeah. <laughs> reading from like a Stephanie Meyer novel. 
uh, as he just romances a woman who is, has him in the palm of her hand. Yeah. It's not even like, and, she shouldn't even really care what he's saying probably at that And point. I like at the end of the movie that they they say something to Avarla. like, we could have been something, Kirk. And I'm like, really? Where, did you even give a shit in the moment? Like, yeah. You two just appear to be horny. Like, okay. Horny and there was a haystack nearby. Like, sure, let's do it. And Rosie, you can watch. <laughs> I was shocked at how many times the sex didn't happen. You know, it's like they have all these scenes setting up, you know, these sex scenes and it just, they just never actually go through with it. And I was like, that's, this seems like a movie where they would just milk that as much as, yeah, that could. would be the point to yeah. get. Yeah. In a Giallo movie, that's exactly In what the would have happened. movies we've seen. Yeah. Right. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what, what, happen. what would happen. <laughs> Let's have we 10 get that, of sex. And then someone would get killed. And then a murder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On a side note, I watched Bird with the Crystal Plumage recently. It was way better than Tenebrae. Was actually, oh, yeah. I like that. I've heard, about, I've heard good things about that one, too. Yeah. yeah. But, we'll, anyway. watch, we'll, we'll catch up. We'll get <laughs> yeah. caught up. Uh, yeah, where are we? We split up, and now we basically Billy come back out, to... Billy gets out, runs away again. Linda's right? running away. Yeah, Linda runs away yeah. again, yeah. She, she's got out. That's the, the one trick pony that Linda can... Is, she's good at escaping. She's a good escape artist. I'll give her that. Um, she doesn't really know what to do once she escapes, though. Just run through she the desert. She doesn't have a plan other than to run through the desert maybe hug the corpse of her boyfriend if she finds him and <laughs> die tragically and sad and romantically there. Um, and so like, then it becomes this whole thing where Varla's pissed off because t- she hears that's the, what is it? Like her car revs up and Rosie is like, my car's not fast enough. We need to take yours. Uh, the old man is like, Hey son, like the Start vegetable, the get in the truck. Get in the truck. Go. We got to yeah. catch her. And everybody is like, just making a dash to converge on Linda um, again, like for completely different reasons of how they interpret what's happening and like mm-hmm. also their motivations. And uh, we get this kind of, uh, when they actually do converge in the desert, it's more because w- the old man and the vegetable find Linda first. Right. And is this where they turn on Billy too? Like at the yeah. moment? Yeah. Like before they go off to look for her, Billy is like, I'm done. I'm out. Yep. And they and they like stab Billy. Yeah, Varla does this like one knife throw into Billy's back, and it instantly kills him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they leave. They leave there, and they're driving away. Yeah, that's right. Like right after that happens is when Linda runs away. Um, so they're like, "Cool, let's bail. Let's go get Linda." The two cars converge uh, right when like the vegetables about to grab pin Linda. her down yeah. and do something, and Linda's like, "I just don't care anymore. Just do what you're gonna do. Just." stop like get it over with and it's it's such like a like those screams were so traumatic to me i thought that that actress was doing a good job of convincing me that there was something horrific happening Mm -hmm. did not feel uh in any way kind of fake to me like that was a real trauma yeah so um i was like bravo uh the vegetable and linda yeah well then we uh, get a moment with the vegetable too he's like i don't know what i'm doing like i don't want to do this like yeah he finally like he recognizes he connects to that empathy uh deep down because he's still human and he's just, yeah, breaks down. And the old man is like, ah, fuck, like just over putting (laughs) the sand slipping right through his fingers. He sees all of the time, the grains of time he's wasted, uh, trying to, to rescue girls. I don't know. I think he's going to rescue them the way he was meaning to on the train, but somehow it always ends up like, I, yeah. I just I'm liking the idea that he's like I'm gonna rescue the girl and he's like ah oh, damn it I raped her again like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. just like brutal every yeah. damn every time <laughs> I don't understand this keeps happening <laughs> I throw him onto the train tracks why does this keep happening to me? <laughs> um, yeah and he decides in his mind it's probably best if he 
hides the keys. He, he says he's like truck. done, and Kirk is like, yeah. Kirk I'm going to leave you here. And then the man's like, oh, I threw the keys into the into the desert. They're gone. We all have to walk back. <laughs> Which, like, I have several problems with that. You know, like, they just take that, like, Kirk is just like, okay, I guess the keys are gone now, so I'm just going to walk out of here with, with Linda. It's like... He, the man just had the keys in his hands. It's like a big, massive key ring. There was a lot of keys like, in that ring. Sure, yeah. if he, even if he had his fist closed, you could probably see a key poking out of there. Yeah. Like, Kirk doesn't search him. He doesn't look around. Like, how far could he have thrown this fucking yeah. key? Like, they drove to that spot and parked. Like, he couldn't have thrown the key more than, like, 30, 40 feet away from where they were. Like, you know, especially that with him being crippled, like you could just do a quick sweep of the area and determine where the keys are. It's just like, he just accepts that the keys are just disappeared. (laughs) I guess I'll just walk five miles to town. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Look, we've all established Kirk's not the brightest bulb in this box. He read a book though. (laughs) He read one book and his own father is more capable of deceiving him. (laughs) He is of deceiving his father. Yep. Taking that money. Yeah. Uh, so now, yeah, we had the race out to the desert to get Linda. Varla misses the opportunity and Kirk gets her and is headed back. Yep. Varla heads back, pissed. Yep. The old man pulls this trick and gets the vegetable to put him back in the truck and head back so they can get out there ahead of Linda. Yeah, and they show up. That's when basically we're going to we're following up on like Billy's death where you've got uh, the, the vegetable comes back to find that Billy has died because one like. Varla's like, okay, we probably shouldn't have left the knife in her back. Go get the knife, Rosie. And Rosie's I, like, I All guess right. at this point, I was like, are we cleaning up our messes now? Like, yeah. We're, yeah. <laughs> was, was, she had to look like she died of natural stab in the back causes, <laughs> I suppose. It was one of those ghost knives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My God, these people, they spontaneous, spontaneously yeah. get a knife wound well, in the back. <laughs> I just had the thought of like the, the small town sheriff is going to get there and be like, oh, I know whose knife this is. Like he would even like they even know who the fuck these yeah. people are. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I've, They're not running prints on that shit. Yeah, no, no way. <laughs> Even if they did, I'm pretty sure the, the like, yeah, I'm pretty sure the sheriff of that town is the dude that was yelling, go, go, and like the yeah, go-go yeah. bar. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he does on the weekends, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so the vegetables over there upset about that. Varla tells Rosie, like, go get the knife. Yep. <laughs> so Rosie's like, fine. Okay, I guess. And then it. instead of just going and taking it, she asks the vegetable to hand it to her yeah and he need- stabs her in the gut yeah he's <laughs> like here's your knife back yeah. <laughs> he's done being manipulated maybe <laughs> yeah <laughs> or I, interestingly he goes right. from like not understanding why billy's not moving <laughs> yeah because he's like why isn't she getting up and then turns around and stat like knowingly kills roses mm. so i'm like who knows or he doesn't know what death is he he learns as the plot needs him to yeah he's just yeah. enough he <laughs> grows particular intuitive skills yeah uh, meanwhile, Varla runs the old man over. We can sort of. I, I love that shot because he's in his wheelchair trying to get into the house, and his own house isn't wheelchair accessible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, allegedly have all this money, and you couldn't build a ramp into your own house. You're when you're in a wheelchair. He that so seems... rarely has to go. Like the vegetable carries him everywhere. He's never thought. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I mean, to his credit, he does not like wheel himself around most of the time. So he's, there's like no establishment for him ever actually needing to wheel up that thing. Yeah. It's always his son pushing him or carrying him in some uh, way. Yeah. Or he's crawling. It's still a funny concept. Yeah, yeah. It's like Turn, he never thought about it. Turns out the money was in the car all along. In the wheelchair. In the wheelchair, in the wheelchair yeah. all along. Yeah, she runs yeah. him over and all these bills fly out. And then Varla so, goes back to run the vegetable over. 
Like, now that Rosie's dead. Yeah, and that's when you get that rad scene of the yeah, vegetable the man pushing versus back. car sequence. Yeah. And like she's he's up against the wall and she's like flooring it into him and it it seems to he seems to win like he stops her and the car sinks down into the dirt and then he just like falls over and the movie just moves on as if he's dead. I'm like did he just use every ounce of energy in his body and just collapse to death at, yeah, at that he point? Sa- he Samson pulled the yeah. the pillars down. I like she gets out of the car and she goes it's 2 out of 3 falls. <laughs> yeah, falls, not deaths, falls. Fall, I yeah. made him fall over. Well, that's like he's very you, big. No, that's what you say. That's over. what you say in wrestling. Like wrestling matches are to one fall or you do 2 out of 3 falls. Like oh, that's yeah. a wrestling term too. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um yeah, we get the conclusion of the vegetable. That's my favorite arc. Uh, him summoning the strength to stop a whole car. Um, <laughs> just really rad. And then we get, like, Varla trying to chase down Kirk. Yeah, so she takes and, the truck and chases down Kirk and Linda. And leads them to, like, a little can, like, a little, a tiny canyon. Traps them in a little canyon. Kind of little yeah. Action area. And they start, like, fighting. She starts uh, chopping yeah, more more karate chops on Kirk <laughs> now. Taking him down. Um, and Kirk's fighting her, and I don't remember what Linda's doing. What she freaks it? out she for a while, screaming? like screams for a while about how Varla's going to kill Kirk. And then she gets the car. And she gets the car and just nails Varla. Varla. Yeah, <laughs> kills Varla with her prized possession. Uh, how fitting, I guess. Well, it's with the truck. She, they have yeah, the truck now. But she the kills, her with an engine. kills her with a car, yeah. You need to be killed with a car. <laughs> Otherwise, she'll come back. Uh, I'm making up the sequel right now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then yeah. I guess Kirk and Linda go off into the sunset <laughs> in like a, like a, he's going to find her family way, I guess. I don't, I hope. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Don't. Still not sure about that guy. So yeah. I don't know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> know where yeah. that goes from there. But. It'd still be just as bad. Uh-huh. Right. The rest of that movie, 10 minutes later. Yeah. Honestly, I just mm. think Kirk's so inept. There's, I don't know that, that really Linda's going to get any help from him. Like she'll yeah. probably tell him like, we're going to town. I'd be like, gee, I don't know where to really go once we're in town and talk to people. Be like Kirk, what the fuck? Like, yeah, I can't <laughs> imagine that that relationship would last. Like they're going to, they're going to get into town. She's going to go her own way and never think about Kirk again. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think Kirk was really traumatized by anybody's deaths. Also, Kirk never put together. <laughs> he also never saw that. the deaths of his dad or brother. If his brother did. Die, oh yeah. He just gets back and finds his brother like, next yeah, we don't to have that scene where he comes back and finds the bodies. Oh my God. I could have he's, done this to you. Yeah. He said he was willing to leave the old man in the desert earlier. He got he over did, it. Yeah. And I guess he, he left his brother out there too. Yeah. yeah. He said he was going to put him in a home or something. Yeah. But then he Come left him, him out there anyway. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, even before that, like Varla's like, there's an idea. We should just kill your old man. But, like, Kirk doesn't pick up on any of that. He still doesn't really know what she's saying to him. And he's like, mm-hmm. well, your old man's pretty rotten, isn't he? Like, he's also, like, no good for anybody around him. He doesn't do anything for anybody. And Kirk's like, I'm not following you. <laughs> <laughs> what are we supposed to do with him? He's <laughs> like, oh, man. Oh, Kirk, you and your book. It's just one book. Probably. <laughs> At this point, I just think it's one book. It's He's just been working book, on it yeah. for, like, years. It's uh, it's much funnier if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a picture book. Yeah. <laughs> it's the old man just never looked at it to know it's Dr. Seuss <laughs> so the places you'll go <laughs> um, yeah and then it, and then it just kind of concludes the movie by the way I don't think we mentioned how rad at least I thought the score was rad like there's like big swing kind of band vibes going on in the middle of it and at times it gets jazzy yeah, kind of like hip jazzy, to it yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, music that would give you the feeling of it being a porno in any other era, but yeah. like in the sixties, you're like, Oh, this just is the music. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Russ Meyer is unfortunately known as like the porn King or something for directing. He hates that name, but Rob <laughs> zombie told me at the beginning of the Turner classic movies intro to oh. faster, 
<laughs> Pussy can't kill, kill. So it must be true if I heard it from Rob Zombie. So I guess um, he made actual porn. Yeah, Wait, he yeah, he, he made, made a bunch of this. Like that's even more surprising. Yeah. that there's no nudity and no I, sex in this. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, and that that part of the reason he made this movie is he had been making like movies of biker gangs, essentially just doing the same thing. There's biker gangs like going on rampages, killing people, and then somebody beats him up at the end and wins yeah. uh, and was like, Hey, these movies are making money. What if I did it with girls and boobs that would just add one more thing that people like to it. And then apparently this movie flopped, like it didn't do as well as his biker mm. gang movies did. Uh, though now it's way it's remembered and highly regarded where the rest of his stuff is buried. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder why people went to see those and not to see this. It seems like it would just be, that plus sex, right? It would drive drive more people yeah. to go check it out. Yeah, looking at the reception at the time, a lot of people were talking about like the horrible dialogue and, and all that. And I'm like, I can't imagine his other movies. Yeah, there's were, no like, way he wrote great. good dialogue yeah, in his other movies, right? That you were suddenly like, okay, well, I watched that biker gang thing and it was fine. That was a good movie where they just ran a guy over with their bike. But then uh, this one, man, the dialogue, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and even like, the weird cheesy intro that the narrator does is like kind of a, a different, I haven't, I haven't really had that in another movie. So it's been interesting. I wonder if the audience was like, is that like a usual thing that happened in like the sixties? They just like prime you I up. Know. And it was like, so some, weird. like violence is yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It, it could, could be a secretary. Go, go dancers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely like an outer limits or like start to something to be like, Oh, here's our plot. Let me run it down. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I they had the feeling really that like, plot, it was just like, a vibe like evil yeah. and violence is everywhere, even in women where you would least expect it. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. Like, uh, okay. Yeah. It was, uh, oh God, I just had it. I was like, yeah, it was like an evil Jim Jarmusch film. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, just really aggressive and all the action all the time, but, uh, it's a whole lot of kind of like nothing really happening in it. So it's like, cool. This is a vibe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I guess given that, uh, Ryan, you'd watch it again, but would you recommend it to somebody? I would. I honestly, like it's only an hour 20. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, even if you, you like sit there and like, all right, this is a little bit in my face and loud and they're yelling at each other. So mm-hmm. I, I watched this with Darla, which I, I was really careful to be like, Hey, look, I will get a movie to watch. Like I picked this one. Like, I'm like, I don't know if you want to watch it. You just want to read a book instead or something like, <laughs> cause she complains about what we watch. And I met, I'm like, and she's like, eventually she's like, stop trying to like set it up. You're like trying to convince me not to watch it. And I'm like, well, I'd like to watch it. I just know, I just know you might complain at the end of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, this Dar- is Darla kinda... has like what, like 5% of the movies that, yeah, yeah. that we've talked about. Yeah. She's uh, like, why yeah. do you keep picking weird stuff? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And, uh, but I like I kind of read the plot or whatever, and she's like, "All right, I guess." She's like, "Start it up, we'll see." Uh, and she watched it. She watched it all the way through, and at the end, she was like, "I was like, what do you think?" She's like, "I, I don't know. Like, it was engaging. Like, it, it was entertaining. Things happened." She's like, "It's a different movie. Like, it's not something you would normally see. Mm-hmm. It's not something you would normally see in the '60s." She was mentioned that she was surprised that like, what one? There's no stunt acting. This money doesn't right. have movie for stunt money for stunt acting no. or anything. Yeah. Um, she was surprised that like Varla and Kirk and Varla and whatever the guy is at the beginning, like legit, like fight and hit each other. And like that this movie was, she was like, I wouldn't have thought at the time that they would have been okay with a guy like hitting a girl. 
in a movie. And it's like, sure, yeah, a lot of people weren't probably not. Yeah. This yeah. movie doesn't care. <laughs> like yeah. they also seem to operate completely outside of the Hayes code, right? This was Hayes code was, was still around. This one was kind of right? falling. I know apart. it was kind of on the downward trend there. And this is clearly a very independent film. So maybe that's how yeah. they get around it. You, you kind of have it this time. Studio system. Yeah. When you start to have the, the drive-in theaters that are kind of operating independently, they would run yeah. B movies that didn't, necessarily follow the rules and you have more 60s movies that are just like breaking the code and seeing what happens and then mm-hmm. it just all sort of fell apart because it never really was enforceable anyway or anything right yet. Yeah. um and so yeah in the 60s well when you have like a studio apart. oligopoly you can enforce it but right when you start having more independent stuff yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah the, no this movie doesn't yeah there's well i mean like technically the bad guy gets killed at the end right like that's yeah. a Hays code thing like they get their comeuppance True. and we yeah. have some like good people i guess um, but yeah, no, I mean, the movie's not like, yeah, uh, lots of kissing and, and there's also way too many guys. windows and there's no good, yeah. there's not really good people. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, she was like, it's definitely something completely different. She's like, yeah, it's not good. Like, it's not a good movie. It's like, yeah, no, it's not a good movie. It's yeah. Like, but it's a fun movie. I, it's like, I would recommend it cause I'm like, it is fun. If you've watched like, you know, that's the other part too, is that this movie has, inspired a lot of punk and metal bands yeah i can see that <laughs> like so many songs and band names and and things obviously you mentioned rob zombie obviously white zombie uses clips from this uh audio clips in many of their songs like quite a number of songs uh probably you know the most that people probably heard thunder kiss 65 uses several clips from this um so people will probably know those lines pretty well mm. from having heard that song and have no clue what this movie is. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, this is definitely an influence on Tarantino, like so hard. Like it's absolutely, he wears it on his sleeve. I felt like death proof yes. is like his reimagining of this movie. It feels like, but there are so many elements in his other works that are just parts of this movie or concepts from this movie. Uh, his women, the like, type of dialogue i feel like tarantino heard this mm-hmm. and then did the dialogue right yeah like yeah. he kind of does the same thing but he doesn't just have it up to 11 the entire time he knows when to use this well and when to not to he also casts competent actors and he gets good actors yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. yeah he gets good actors um like uma thurman saying it is much different yeah john travolta there. versus uma thurman given this kind of like sexual yeah. tension dialogue works yeah um yeah you're a square <laughs> like right <laughs> yeah. like um, so yeah, like I think it's, it's interesting from that standpoint of like what other movies later copied from this, the fact that it is one of those, like it was a bomb of a movie. It should have been never heard of again, like the rest of his movies, <laughs> like never thought of again, but that it ended up having this indelible mark because of so many people that saw it and were just like, fuck yeah, like that's so <laughs> different. That's awesome. Um, so I, yeah, I think it's worth watching as far as like Grindhouse quote bad movies uh-huh. exploitation movies i actually think it's pretty competent like it's it's pretty watchable it it kind of is i mean all of them it's like what exactly yeah is happening it's just get from here to here for next the next murder the next sex scene like whatever that's pretty much what these movies are supposed to be mm-hmm. uh, this isn't one of those exploitation movies that like rises above the art and says or does anything uh but it does a really good job being entertaining yeah yeah um i would not recommend it um i agree with a lot of the things that you said i think um for me it just didn't quite get there i don't think the good stuff is worth the bad stuff um like if you're like if you want to watch something like this just watch death proof or kill bill or like (laughs) 
Mad Max, you know, kind of has some of these like deserty, you know, action vibes. Um, but to me, to me, I, I just didn't feel like it. It rose to the level of something that I would ever watch again or, or recommend that anybody else watch. Yeah, I, uh, I've watched it twice. I'd watch it again. Um, would I recommend it? Yeah, I'd recommend to watch it with like friends and cheer for certain parts of it. I could see it being fun if you rally around like a lot of the the like foreshadowed or projected things or you make, you know, whatever. Yeah. Kind of, this seems like a thing you could get like a raucous kind of good time Midnight around. showing crowd. Yeah, midnight showing yeah. crowd sure, sort of yeah. atmosphere. Absolutely. Um, yeah, if you're if you're looking for something that has tragic characters and you want to be moved by their plight and things like that the vegetable's not going to give you probably the ground no. that you need. It's not going to give you any of the gravity. Uh, none, of, none of the other aspects of the, the film are going to give you what you're seeking out. Sasha was, um, Sasha watched all of it with me. She was more compelled by like the aggression of the women. Yeah. I think that she could get behind like a lot of that. Like, yeah, fuck these guys. Like fuck all mm-hmm. of this. Let's just tear it down sort of aspect. And that's, punk rock obviously it is cool that it gives the women so much agency yeah and you know they're huge assholes but like you know they're prominent roles in the film they fight men and they kill them and succeed and you know that's probably pretty rare at this time yeah Yeah. well and like the flip side of this movie the other ones that you know like a biker game movie the biker games are just like fucking with innocent people Mm -hmm. now i will say they do fuck with some innocent people but most of the men we see in this movie don't treat them well <laughs> right. and so there's a bit of like they're kind of justified in how they end up that like at the beginning we see them just completely being uh horribly you know l- looked at by these guys shouting at them and throwing dollars at them or whatever and mm. uh, and then so many like the gas station attendant everybody that just sees them just immediately sex objects or trying to rape them or whatever that you're kind of like okay i can see why they're just like done with the world and fucking mm. do what they want yeah like the one thing that <laughs> that is kind of interesting that when they kill uh, Squarey McSquaresville, uh, whatever in the middle of the desert. That's like the one time that I was like, well, that was really fucked up. Like if it had been the dude that was yelling, go, yeah. go like at their, in their face yeah. or like the gummy dude who is just objectifying them. Hey, that although, guy was awesome. I like that gas station. <laughs> I'll be coming back. Uh, also, the just, gas station on the building, it said headquarters. There was no R in oh. headquarters. <laughs> It was the headquarters. Uh, that's that's the Midwestern. I don't know. <laughs> um, Maybe it's headquarters. Maybe that's how you say. Yeah, it. that could yeah. be. Uh, but I did like that. There was kind of a dip of you start with that like, yeah, that outer limits read. You get like this intense moment of like flashes of the go-go dancers, men yelling at them objectively, uh, like objectifyingly, and then they kill an innocent man, and you're like, okay, I'm not on. They're like, you're already having kind of a weird time with the tension that they've built up between each other as a group. And then it lashes out and they kill this guy and you're like, oh yeah, they're, they're like the antiheroes. They're the bad, the bad guys in this. And then when you get to that other, to like the ranch, finding out all of the dark shit at the ranch makes you kind of like, I don't even know who I'm really supposed to root for in some ways. And so I felt like the movie did a good job of making me root for a person at a particular time as it was going in a way that was compelling and it didn't. Like when we watched uh, Fred Durst's The Fanatic, <laughs> there's like not a humanity. There's no humanity to a lot of the characters. There's nobody to root for. There's nobody to attach to or resonate with at any point in that film. 
And this one at least had me writing some narrative waves where I was like, okay, I can get behind this. I like this. I can cheer for that. Like what's going to happen here? Kind of wondering how it was going to end. It, there was a bit of like aimlessness to it where you're like, they're in the, they're in the ranch. They're out of the ranch. Who fucking keeps up with this anymore? I just mm -hmm. want to see where it goes. Um, ending in that like death tragedy. So I found it entertaining. I would recommend it to, to folks. And Sasha was kind of glued to that when it ended. She was like, all right. Wait, was, what the fuck? Well, yeah. Okay, yeah. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, I still had a good time. Yeah. Entertained. I mean, this is like the, the thought I had afterwards. I'm like this and branded to kill are two things. I'm like, Oh, I'm glad I found these. I will totally watch these again. Oh, I definitely agree with the unbranded to kill. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> 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 Not so much on, it, it's on the, this one, but it's the same. Like, it's just a fucking weird thing. It's just its yes. own thing. It's uh -huh. different. It's not playing by the rules. And like, it's just interesting in that way. Yeah. yeah, Brandon for Kill is definitely like a whole nother like That's yeah, I get it. It's a whole nother level. Of a man of this. being sexually yeah. aroused by rice. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Uh well, Chipmunk there, cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Shoshito. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, were there any other notes we wanted to add to this? Did no, do no I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you have it, everybody. Uh I'd recommend it. Ryan would recommend it. Dixon would not recommend it. And you have the reasons why. So now with that we'll take a break. I'm Vin Diesel, and I love three things. Family, muscle cars, and the refreshing taste of an ice-cold Corona. Whether I'm barbecuing with the boys, or flying down the street at 150 miles an hour, I always have a Corona by my side. There's no bigger power move than winning a quarter-mile race, staggering out of the car with an empty six-pack, and letting your rival know that you beat him while drunk off your fucking ass. Corona. Never drive without it. Welcome back, everybody, to Recommend or Refute. You know the rules of the game. We go around the table. We talk about a film that maybe you should watch, film that maybe you should stay away from. Who knows? Uh, Ryan, you're the picker. So what do you got for us? Yeah, uh, I would love to tell you about Peter Rabbit 2, um, but I complained so much about trying to figure out if people could understand the rabbits or not. And oh, like if the humans yeah, could understand yeah, the rabbits. because the movie never really <laughs> ironed itself out as if that was what was happening or not. And then the fact that they were walking around in clothes and the, just tons of other animals were walking around in clothes, but they have mice traps and things like that. So I'm like, so that they know that they're wearing clothes and making their own clothes, but they're still, and then my family told me to go get ice cream. So I didn't end up watching Peter Rabbit too. <laughs> <laughs> like about nice. 20 minutes in maybe. And like, I, anno I annoyed them too much. Ice cream. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, uh, so I took a trip and I actually watched, uh, something decent cause I couldn't find something bad on the Alaska airlines. Uh, oh wow. Uh, free movies. Alaska airlines to watch. only shows good movies. No, there was a bunch of bad stuff. Just nothing <laughs> that I was like, Oh, this is bad. And I'll watch it. Just a bunch of like, nah, I'm not interested. In this. <laughs> um, but I did see on there, uh, wildlife directed by Paul Dano. And that was pretty oh, yeah, much what, I've seen that. yeah, that's what hooked me as I was like, Oh, Paul Dano directed, which he hasn't done anything since he hasn't directed since. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. That's his only one. And I was like, all right, this looks interesting enough. And I was like, all right, it's a, it's a movie. I was like, it's obviously going to be something interesting or whatever. So I was like, I'll sit down and watch <laughs> Got your it. Soul it's, a movie. Movie. Yeah. Uh, it's not venom. <laughs> Let there be carnage. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh it's Paul Dano directed. Uh, Paul Dano, you might know from like There Will Be Blood or Little Miss Sunshine. Like he's had a, you know some really good uh, acting the roles. Batman. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now in the, the the Batman, um, 
It's starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Carrie Mulligan as a couple who's moved out to Montana. Jake Gyllenhaal seems to be kind of unable to get a job, make a job work, but constantly like, but thinks the positive thoughts is going to make it happen this time. Like he's just that kind of guy or whatever. Uh, And his, and their son played by Ed Oxenbold is just coming of age and thinks everything is great. And then this family slowly falls apart and it's mainly uh, the kid Joe finding out like there's more to life and it's not easy. <laughs> um, essentially, at the 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 kickoff is that Jake Gyllenhaal's character Jerry loses his job. He was a golfer, I guess, an amateur golfer, and tried to kind of become a pro golfer and it didn't really happen. Uh, and he's working at a at a golf range, like a golf course, as a caddy. But apparently, he is like too buddy buddy with some of the golfers and he gets fired oh yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, uh, his boss just like doesn't like the way he's like what he's doing or whatever and fires him uh and actually does call him back later i thought that was funny because he was like jerry's like no they're gonna call me back they're gonna be so upset that (laughs) that i'm gone they're gonna realize what it is and i was like dude no fucking way and then yeah sure enough like a day later they do call him back and are upset but now his pride's hurt and he won't take the job back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's constantly under this town is under this like threat of this wildfire that's happening out that you can see in the background sometimes or ash falls. You see it in news, like constantly talking about this wildfire and Jake Gyllenhaal takes a job to go out there and fight the fire. Never quite clear if he actually fights a fire, if he just digs trenches and shits like that. It's just like, it's a job yeah. and he just takes it and he's going to be gone for who knows how long. Uh, and this just spins uh, his wife out where she's just like, he's left us. Like, this is it. We fucking moved us out to Montana. He's failed us again. Uh, and so she just starts going, like, she dates some other guy. and, and But, like, doesn't exactly. Bill yeah, Bill Camp yeah. plays it. Yeah, that's like this car dealership owner. And kind of lies to her son a little bit. It's never quite clear to him. But he, like, gets a job. And he starts, like, seeing, like, things aren't going the way he thought they were going to go. And I do like that they represented the beginning where he's just always like, whatever his mom or dad say, that's what he wants to go to the college. They went to, he wants to have the kind of job that they have like everywhere he is, is where he wants to be. He thinks it's great. Like he just is very much this passive person. Uh, And then through the movie, as he starts to like see that this cracks in this marriage and the things that aren't going to go the way he always thought they were going to go. And the family's not going to be the same thing. He eventually kind of comes into his his own. Um, it's a very slow movie, a very slow-paced mm-hmm. movie, a very careful movie. It never really hits like a big moment or big tones or anything. It just really is giving like time for these realistic characters in this kind of realistic situation. Uh, it's hard for me to necessarily recommend it. Like I thought it was good. I enjoyed watching it. Uh, it just never quite raised up to like really good or great. Like it was like, it was good. And I think for Paul Dano, I was like, it was a good outing, mm-hmm. I think. So I was kind of like, a well-directed film. Yeah. It's really well-directed The like, there are the scenes where like they see the fire. Like there is one that there's one that stands out in my mind is the, uh, like the mom is trying to get across to the son. Like your dad has this like wonderlust to like, just be something else to be more than he is. And he's not. And she drives him out to the fire and is like, there, that's what your dad thinks is more important to us. And it just pans to this fucking fire mm-hmm. just raging off into the woods. And the boy, Joe, is just like 
doesn't he can't comprehend it like he's just is like blown away staring at the fire um and so like it was cool that was all like good i just yeah i like i liked it it's all right um like i think paul dano's good and that's why i was like surprised to see that he hasn't done any he hasn't done anything since it and now he's fucking doing the batman instead of like he's, yeah he's so good he's such a good actor i like that he's good that he's a you know taking these other things and going further in his craft and i'm like yeah, you don't need to be in these. I don't know why these tentpole movies keep drawing them in, but money. <laughs> I'm sure people uh, take that check yeah. so they can go do the yeah. next thing. I guess. What yeah. You, what did you think of it? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I I didn't I didn't think it was great, but I did think it was it was really good. I, I think um, I thought it was a really interesting, just kind of intimate family character piece and a critique of you know traditional masculinity and domesticity and like you know male pride and you know, kind of the damage then that that can do to the family unit. And I thought Carrie Mulligan was was pretty fantastic. Yeah, she's really good. Um, You know, as this this woman whose life is, you know, kind of in flux as all this is going on, she's kind of losing her husband and seeking stability in another relationship and kind of trying to justify herself to her kid who's kind of figuring out what's going on as she's having an affair with this guy. And I think I thought it was really, really good, really well done. It is very reserved and slow, but um, I, I dug it. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, the, the acting is good. Like, I was like, everything about it was, like, good and competent. Uh-huh. It, it just never quite was, like, quite raised up. But, I th- no, I think it did a really good job of, like, this relationship falling apart. And they do really, yeah, definitely Carrie Mulligan's definitely stand out in there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess, like, what, we're supposed, what is our rating system? I realized we ditched it. it? <laughs> we, we've, we've casually ditched it. <laughs> we like invented it and then almost immediately ditched it. Hell yeah, I yeah, guess that's this what is we like, do. I guess this is like rent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's probably rent. You rent it. Yeah, I, I've embraced a spectrum of recommend or refute. <laughs> At this point, it doesn't matter if there's three or sixteen no, options. No, there were only two. <laughs> recommend and refute. Yeah, it's recommend. <laughs> trying to put yeah. binaries on this. <laughs> only I can do that and then throw it away. <laughs> All right, Dixon, give us where you are on the spectrum of the, the <laughs> recommender refute. Um, yeah, so um, this past, we're recording uh, after Easter weekend, and I was uh, in Dallas staying with my mom over Easter weekend, and been trying to get uh, her to watch this for a while, and was finally successful in getting my uh, very conservative, traditional Christian mother to watch The Last Temptation of Christ. <laughs> and uh, I think that movie is fucking incredible. And I've never talked about a Scorsese movie on this podcast before. So here we go. I don't remember any. Yeah, uh, yeah no, it's, look it up. I haven't. <laughs> Shockingly. You were, um, you were out when we talked about Mean Streets. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking mook. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I think The Last Temptation of Christ is a fascinating film that is um, the only you know piece of visual media that I've ever seen that kind of delves into the vulnerability and humanity of Christ versus kind of everything else out there that focuses on his deity and perfection and portrays a man who is always sure of himself and doesn't really waver or, or kind of experience temptation. And um, The Last Temptation was a movie that Scorsese tried to make for a really long time and originally got uh, funding to make it in 1983, and then the studio pulled out. And he kind of spent several years after that just trying to get it made and kind of working on random projects in the meantime while he was trying to get it off the ground and uh, made After Hours 
about his experience trying to make the last temptation of Christ is this character kind of going through hell and kind of never being able to get back to home and, and kind of do what he wants to do. Um, and then he made the color of money, which is a very weird cause it was like a, a sequel. And that is pr- probably my least favorite Scorsese movie. Like doesn't really feel like his, it feels like him taking a job to like finally get the green light to do the last temptation of Christ. And, um, it's a huge passion project of his. It's based on a, a novel uh, written in the 50s that is kind of looking at Christ and examining his humanity. And it, it looks at him being fully man and the experience that he would have gone through and the temptations that he would have had. Paints him as a very uh, a person filled with doubt, like kind of like views himself as a weak person because he won't sin, essentially. Like he won't have sex or do whatever take a risk because he he views himself as a weak person who like doesn't have the strength to go through with those types of things and he's always kind of doubting his uh his calling and what he's supposed to be doing and um i think that's just a very interesting way to look at that character um even as someone who's not really involved with the church anymore and uh, you know i have kind of a uh tenuous relationship with christianity at best and um but I, I think it's a, a pretty fascinating film. It was a screenplay written by Paul Schrader and uh, Willem Dafoe plays, plays Jesus. There's obviously issues with that. You know, they have a blonde white guy playing Jesus. Um, Scorsese is Catholic. It's, it's, you know, pulling on a lot of Catholic imagery that has blonde white Jesus. Um, but I think there's a lot of interesting things that the movie is trying to do and, and say that are definitely worth uh you know pushing through that i know the the idea of a white jesus is very upsetting to a lot of people and like i've heard like i've recommended this movie to people before and like oh well yeah well you fucking white jesus movie i'm not gonna watch that i'm like okay (laughs) dude like you know i understand the uh criticism but um you know can we push through that (laughs) but um yeah it, it also casts judas in a very different light as a you know, empathetic figure who is kind of doing what is required of him, uh, rather than this evil person who is betraying his friend. Um, but yeah, the the movie created a lot of controversy at the time because it does show Jesus engaging in sinful acts as he is going through temptation and, um, a lot of fundamentalist groups like boycotted the film, a bunch of, um, like Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson and those type of types of pieces of shit, like tried to buy the film outright. So it wouldn't be shown to anyone because they were so upset by this idea that the movie would be showing Jesus doing bad things. And, um, like to me, it's one of the most overtly Christian films I've ever seen that kind of shows a great appreciation for Jesus in a way that I haven't really seen depicted before. And I think, um, like I would recommend anyone who views himself as, as a Christian to see it because I think it just kind of brings a different perspective to the faith that, uh, you know, isn't really shown or, or talked about. And the movie didn't do well when it came out because the church was boycotting it. There were people, you know, protesting outside of theaters and it, it really kind of fell, um, through the cracks. Critics liked it a lot, but you know, the broad, broader public didn't really, really support it, but I'm very glad that he was able to make it. And I think it's a pretty, pretty fascinating movie. Yeah. I can see where, 
something like this that just is like a step, a thought about your religion that's outside what the church presents to you is uh-huh. like the most dangerous thought you could have. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I can see why that the, they would be what so like, like don't talk about it because it might start to get, you might think about other things, right? right. Like yeah. that it's, yeah, that the, in the, the, in general, like the Christian faith tends to be pretty dogmatic, like strict in, in its system mm-hmm. that the church provides and thinking about it and like, what was really going on with Judas or what would Christ have been like mm-hmm. as the person uh, is sort of like, well, no, 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 so yeah, it no, is. It is yeah. interesting how that is like more dangerous. You know, they also go pick at Harry Potter, but I'm like, honestly, right. like Temptation of Christ is way more dangerous to your <laughs> faith than than Harry Potter. Just like because you can just be like, well, it's, it's imaginary, right? Like, yeah. the, it should be easy for you to just ignore Harry Potter. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot of like, you know, a lot of my experience with the church and why I don't really associate with it anymore is is like a, it's in my experience, it's a lot of spoon feeding. You know, where they're like cherry picking ideas and verses to support an ideology that that church has. And like the thing that terrifies a lot of churches the most is people being able to think for themselves. Right. Because then they might disagree with something the church says and they might go send their tithes elsewhere, (laughs) you know? So like that it's definitely, I think you're on the right track there with that. So they keep forming their own churches. They just like, they don't like that. And now they're not Catholic anymore. And now they're they're Lutherans. They don't like that. So now they're, well, that's, they're like fucking uh, (laughs) 1200 different uh, denominations where, you know, it's like, uh Oh, if they, if they realize that, you know, a couple of our dogmatic points might, you know, they might disagree with them. They might go to that church across the street who will cater to that. It's different on that one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you recommended this movie to me because I, I'm sure I've like seen it or come across it several times and never really like touched it just because I was like, I don't know what that is. I'm not in the faith anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to entertain it. But um, yeah, watching through it, it's like, I, I totally get it. I understood how it could both be something that seems offensive to someone and at the same time be something that's very powerful and an exploration within someone's faith and their like religious beliefs and Scorsese just, a lot of his films permeate that he like puts religion into them in, in a way mm. that he is meditating on and trying to actually think about it rather than being told what he should be thinking or um, ha- having these kinds of like, Jesus is always such a friendly superhero in like any other portrayal mm-hmm. of him. He's buddy Christ, according to, <laughs> yeah. to dogma um, where it's just like, yeah, he just is good. He's always been good. There are these great things. Um, but, but like in, the actual Bible, he like lashes out at times and he expresses these mm-hmm. things that are like, yeah, he's, he's feeling emotions cause he's like a human incarnation. Like, yeah. Think about that. And the movie shows a lot of that stuff about him getting mad at people and yelling at them. And, and you know, it, it focuses on the areas of his life that are, are not as rosy and, and you know, where there, there's some bit of, you know, a rough edge. Like he had a, he had some rough edges and some anger, to him yeah it's kind of amazing because like i think about this movie i always mix up the titles when i'm talking about it with the passion of the christ uh-huh, and the last yeah. temptation of christ and the passion of the christ is just like two two and a half hours of a man being flogged to make you yep. feel so to guilt you into emotionally being a christian be a christian yeah. yeah to say like look what he did he suffered for you and did this this film establishes a lot more of like day-to-day doubt that you might experience yourself as a person uh-huh. and uh, just goes through this whole meditation and, and it's there with you the entire way. And then at the end, when it kind of does its trick, you're like, oh, 
I never really would have thought about what that would be like. And it kind of like, as if I was a hardcore Catholic into it, I feel like it would make me appreciate more what, what Jesus had done. Yeah. And at the same time, the ending is like, so yeah. fucking powerful. It, yeah. It's one of the most emotional endings of any movie that I've ever seen. And to me, it's very affirming in like, you know, in believing in like if if you're into that like in believing in Christ and in uh, you know the movie is very pro Jesus and pro Christianity but it's just been so twisted and misinterpreted in in popular culture. Yeah, I watched some YouTube video with friars that react to things. I don't know <laughs> why I did this everybody. <laughs> I did that. Uh, and they were yeah. like, "Yeah, you want Jesus to be unattainable. You want that." And they were like, "You know, if you're swimming in a pool, are you going to keep swimming because you don't see anybody ahead of you or are you going to keep swimming because you see a guy you can never catch up to?" And I was like, "That's just a crappy way oh to look God. at it." Okay. Yeah. Like, right. that's totally missed the mark for me. Like, I'm yeah, not I want an unrelatable religion. Yeah. That, yeah, I, yeah, I want a guy that I can say, you know what? We should all try to be like him, but we can never be like him because nothing demotivates my efforts to be a better person than seeing somebody I can never be. Yeah, you uh, just want to race <laughs> against the clock. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I race time. I beat people or whatever. <laughs> it is. It is interesting though because we, we, yeah, what you bring up the idea of, like Jesus being this like unattainable perfect thing like isn't the appeal of the new Testament that Jesus is one of like us. us. Yeah. It's <laughs> exactly what he walks with uh, the people. Yeah. Well, this has been the religious podcast right, anyway. yeah. at the uh, underground table, everybody. <laughs> a couple of things. There's also a lot of um, like political uh, stuff in the film, but not as like modern day politics. And like at the time, a lot of people thought Jesus was like this revolutionary and that the Messiah was somebody who was going to kind of come and overthrow the Roman government and like Judas views him as that way in the film. And like a lot of people are misinterpreting his message as like, this is the guy who's going to come and save us and, and get us out of this Roman oppression. And I think that's interesting. They focus on that a lot in you know, more so than they do in any other, you know, Christian films that I've seen, but there is a lot of that in, in the gospels about people wanting to get behind him as this political figure that he has no interest in being really. Um, but yeah, that was fascinating. Also, Defoe is really fucking great in, in the movie. He's, he's really good. And um, yeah, I think it's just the movie is clearly like everybody involved with it is really giving everything they have. It's beautifully shot. It's uh, Peter Gabriel wrote the score for it. It's a great score. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty fantastic. So uh, Awesome. Yeah. Um, I recommend it. There you go. That's, those are the magic words. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the film that uh, I want to talk about is a film that uh, Dixon treated us to um, uh, last week. It's kind of just a touring experience right now, right? They're not doing like a wide open kind of every theater thing. They're kind of just taking they it. said they're going to tour originally, it? Originally, they were saying they were only going to show it in one theater at a time in the world. Yeah. It's going to be like only the people in this room are experiencing Memoria right now. But they scrapped that pretty quickly. And it's like a fairly wide release. It's not like as in like most major cities, there's some place showing it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know, it's it's not a three thousand screen type of thing, obviously. But it's it's easier to find than I thought it was going to be originally. Yeah, it's uh, I'm going to butcher this name unless you can help me out with it. Apichet Pong. Apichet Pong. We're Yeah, is my best guess at it. Yep. Uh, he goes by Joe. Okay. Um, so that's yeah. easier <laughs> directed by Joe. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's a, a 2021 film 
um, called Memoria, as, as Dixon had alluded to. Uh, the synopsis doesn't really do justice what this film is, because the synopsis no. for it is a Scottish <laughs> orchid farmer visiting her ill sister in Bogota, <laughs> Colombia, befriends a young musician and a French archaeologist in charge of monitoring century-long construction. Each night, she is bothered by increasingly loud bangs, which prevent her from getting any sleep. That's not at all what this film uh, is. Yeah, I think some way. of the points it's of that plot description of, yeah. are actively wrong. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. I was like, <laughs> Okay. Make any, yeah. But um, this film is like a hell of an experience. It's something completely different uh, that, that like I haven't seen in theaters. And when I wandered out of it, like we all kind of were just walking and talking about it and having these moments where we were trying to parse together what it meant. It felt a lot like the conversation we had with the empty man where things could mean so many different kinds of interpretations. Yeah. Although like the narrative is even looser more into an El Topo territory of like metaphysical understanding of like human cognition, what memory is and these things. The real star of this film is the audio mixing mm -hmm. because it is just such a powerful uh, arrangement of ambient sounds that get layered in and out at particular moments to create this surgical precision of atmosphere that just instills in you either an unsettling silence or a relaxing creak or the overbearing sound of life in the face of death. There's all of these kinds of uh, things in it that just confront you. And when you walk out, you have to process for like 30 plus minutes what you've experienced because there's really not an easy way to put it into words. And so uh, this, this kind of like I took after that, I started thinking when we saw it and I kept thinking about it. And I wondered if this was like what people saw when they went to see a Tarkovsky film, when they sat in the theater and had like stalker take them on this kind of quiet and meditative ride through a really tense kind of atmosphere and then what they came out and thought about it. And so uh, it was just one of those things where I was like, I want to share this with friends. It, and it's the importance is not that you like or dislike it, but that you have the experience. It is engaging with, it's the closest thing I can get to thinking of saying like, this is what experiencing art feels like because you don't know if you like it or what, like Sasha went and saw it with me the second time I had like convinced her to do it. And another friend of mine who um, was willing to give it its time, give it her time and patience. And they both walked out and were like, I need to process it. That was immediately what I was like, yeah, no, <laughs> totally. And we, about like 30 minutes later, we were sitting around trying to explain the plot to uh, my friend's husband. And it was this really engaging experience where like for 30 minutes, Sasha said, I don't know what the fuck that was. I'm never going to know what that is. I don't know how to engage with it. It was interesting. That's all I'll say. Cause I don't want to say anything else. I don't want to try to, to prod it. She's like, you can ask me questions. I'm fine to answer the questions, but I'll never really like think about what it was. But the more that we tried to explain it to this uh, like person left out of the experience, the more Sasha was pulling in like moments that she noticed. And the more that my, my friend was pulling like moments she noticed and we were coming to these different conclusions and at the same time uh, celebrating like little moments and noting things we really liked about the experience and how like unique. And at the end of it, um, yeah, the, the, the husband left out was like, yeah, I'm going to, I want to see it. Like, when is it showing? And I was like, it's not again. Sorry. Not for a while. And he was like, shit. Okay. Well, whenever it's back in town, I'll go see it. Uh, he, he was like, it sounds really compelling. Um, even if it's a super slow burn, it's unique enough that you walk out and go like, well, okay. Yeah. I haven't seen anything like that. I haven't felt anything like that. And so, uh, and Memoria gets my recommendation. I'm not going to say that it's my favorite film of the year, 
but I will say it's one of those that like, I won't stop thinking about and I will come back to, um, and it might make its way up to like my favorites in general, like my tops. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I enjoyed it and I agree with you. It's like an art piece that I think if you come into it, like, Oh, like you said, like an experience and certain people are going to come in and be like wanting to experiencing it and letting themselves be in it that they'll enjoy it. But I can see a lot of people coming in and just being like, all right, that was, I don't know. Interesting. I do think the sound, even if you came into it with like, no, like you just were like, I don't know, this was weird. I don't really get it. I I didn't really feel it. This sound still would stand out, Mm -hmm. especially at the beginning, just the way they got into that, like first bang. And I assume they're doing the same thing they did at our theater or or not. I don't know where they start off with all the principal photography in silence and let us sit there for so long. They didn't, because I saw this at Austin Film Festival in the fall and they didn't have that before. So I was like, wait, what is, what is going on here? That (laughs) made it even more like when sound finally started unsettling that we had sat there for so long in silence but i think even if you just were watching that without that at the beginning and just came into it that initial bang in a theater really does catch you it's loud and deep and it kind of catches you off guard and it's exactly the kind of bang that if you heard in the middle of the night would unsettle you Mm -hmm. like you did which is an interesting like sound assign that that it's funny that they have the scene where the guy's like going through like working out what the bang is yeah that i was like thinking about that almost as like a meta commentary of like someone did do that someone sat at a sound mixing table and put together all these things until they got to the right like yeah the director probably did that with the sound engineer and that's the unsettling bang that i want that exactly it needs mm-hmm. to have this mix of things and they know her, her description like a concrete ball it's falling like a into a metal ball. well surrounded yeah. by seawater yes that's exactly what it is yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um and yeah it's definitely like it's a you kind of feel the bang in your gut almost mm-hmm. like the that sound the way they nailed that uh and then when it comes back up in the movie later every single time you're like whoa shit like you kind yeah, of forgot it always catches you at weird yeah, moments yeah yeah um and yeah, just the sound of like the other things. It also makes Columbia seem really fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah the city seemed like a really cool place to be. It was alive. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to it. Um, a lot of really beautiful nature shots too. Beautiful architecture of the buildings and a lot of like, yeah, just great shots in general. And uh, that atmosphere was just so good. Yeah. It's one of those things where like I walked out and I immediately, it was like, my dad would not like this movie. Yeah. My dad would not <laughs> tolerate this movie. Sasha would tolerate it because she'll go with me to see anything. If I tell her, like, I want you to have this experience with me and see what you think about it. <laughs> and, and so she'll be like, okay, fine. She like grumbled about it a little bit on the way, but on the way back was like still contemplative about what it could be. And there's, there's a difference to like how we interpret things. And that's perfectly fine. That's the whole point of it was, I just wanted to see what she'd pull out of it, what her reaction would be. Um, yeah. So it's one of those things where like, she also told me in the middle of it, she was like, I was kind of waiting for it to turn into like a science fiction thriller or something to happen. And I was like talking with somebody recently about French films and like just European films in general and how there's a patience with those films as opposed to like Western cinema. I'm not saying that like, you know, UK or like European films don't have bubblegum pop kind of like fast wham bam action stuff. But there's certainly something in French cinema where there's like a much more of a meditative pace to everything. And mm-hmm. it, it was one of those things that I haven't really thought about a lot. I'm like, yeah, you're kind of conditioned to a certain point to like expect a certain feedback loop. And when you're not getting it, your mind is wondering where it might be. And so that's why I try to like prime her into it. Like she's going to have to give it your patience and your time. That's going to be hard. I know, but like, 
it, we'll see what happens. Like I'm not holding you to have any kind of glorious experience or come out and shake your head and tell me, yes, that was good. That was good art. Just tell me what you feel. That's what I want. And that's what I thought Memoria does. It's the same way of watching like a, a Yodorowsky film is so bizarre and weird, but you try, if you try to make something out of it with your friends, like we tried to do with El Topo, <laughs> you end up with these different perspectives and interpretations of what it can be. And that's, I find that really satisfying in a complex piece. So, yeah, I think the only thing else I'll add is that it's a very, meditative slow film and you really have to go into it knowing that we, we reference Vitalina Varela a lot on this podcast which is a similar type of film where you know it moves very slowly at its own pace and like I feel like the still photography intro is kind of a way for them to be like I'm gonna slow you down now so you are yeah. accustomed to to that as we get into this movie um, but you kind of have to be prepared for that I know some people don't really like movies like that but it's a very reserved quiet film but there's there's a lot there's a lot of complex ideas going on and it really allows you to kind of bring yourself to the movie and to think about a lot of interesting ideas about memory and experience and um you know kind of humanity's connection to each other and different things like that that you can kind of work through during the movie and i, I think it's a really interesting experience but you have to approach it in the right way and understand that this is going to be a contemplative exercise where I'm going to engage with this movie and try to meet it where it is. Yeah. And I think that that's like part of the reason why I could see why it wants to be kept in theaters because one, the audio is mixed for theaters specifically. Mm -hmm. It really nails that experience. Um, two, if I watch something at home, there's a lot more temptation to reach over for the remote or my phone and do anything to get out of whatever situation I don't like. Although knowing like my taste that actually doesn't happen ever. Um, I just will keep watching and see what happens. Yeah. But, but it's still, definitely a movie like, where like it kind of puts you in a weird headspace and a, yeah. a kind of a yeah. trance as you're watching it. And if like you get a text message during it, then that's going to throw you out. Yeah. Of yeah. Or if you and, uh, like, I'm not one to say like, okay, you shouldn't chunk up your movies at home watching the Snyder cut or whatever. But uh, this is a movie where like watching it in one go without stopping makes it a powerful experience. Mm -hmm. Stopping it and coming back like the next day would, would just cut a lot of that atmosphere that it's built up. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about Vitalina Varelli. We do reference it a lot. There's the fun. Mm -hmm. I like the things we referenced from before that, that, yeah, nobody, nobody that we didn't about. podcast about. Yeah. Um, but it, when I talked about it, Darla and I had a bad experience with it. I think because we were watching it at home on the TV and mm -hmm. the like darkness and some of the stuff that was going on, like with the image of it or whatever, just didn't work where we were watching it. And then when we talked about empty man, I think some of the audio for my setup didn't quite nail some of the atmosphere didn't happen. So there's certainly that gotcha. like when something is made for a theater and is trying to use the theater as part of the atmosphere yeah. mm -hmm. that you lose it when at home, you might be watching like with the lights on yeah. or your kids running around or your TV just doesn't have the, the contrast depth that's needed or whatever it is that you lose out on some of these. And that's something that as we talk about it, I, I enjoy that there are movies that are moving to streaming as their model and know it. Yeah. And, and that, that opens up the audience for some things, but there are some movies where it's like they were building it to be a theater experience. This is one where I can see where it's like, it needs to be a theater experience. The sound doesn't hit the same on your tinny phone. Yeah. Yep. If you got a if you got a badass setup like John does, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. you watch it at home, <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like I watched Vita Violina Varela at home and I have a massive TV and it was a good experience when I watched it. But it's definitely, yeah, like there it, it but I have a massive TV. So, like, yeah. you know, it, it, it really helped. We have an air conditioner. Our air conditioner is really annoying. And uh, it's it's like right over where our TV is. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, when I was watching Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill, like there's some the dialogue and there's some like the audio or whatever that it's at. Like it just... They're talking so fast or whatever. The air conditioner every time would come on, I couldn't hear it. I just went out and like turned it off. I was like, I don't care how hot it is. I can't hear what the <laughs> fuck is going on. And that is that this movie would be, you know, would be ruined. ruined. Memorial would be yeah. ruined if like your air conditioner comes on and you can't hear some of it. Yeah. That's why they have to invent smart home devices that conjure the atmosphere of Memoria and then sync them to a smart hub. And there you go. You fixed your problem. Yeah. That's what I mean. yeah. <laughs> Invest in like a $5,000 system. That you're done. Yeah. <laughs> that's the solution. And I think it's cool that the director was like, I don't want it, this to ever be available streaming or on Blu-ray, only in theaters. And Neon said yes. You know, that's pretty wild that they would turn down an opportunity to monetize it after theaters. I mean, this movie is so niche that, like, maybe there's not a huge there wasn't you know, be opportunity market, beyond maybe, that. But, yeah. like, I could see this being a movie that Criterion would just grab immediately and put out on disc. You yeah, know, like, yeah. there are movies like that where, like, the worst person in the world, like, they already grabbed that and it's going to come out like over the summer and you know it's possible that this could have been something like that but they were just like all right we'll we'll do what the director wants and keep his artistic vision and i hope that you know this movie will be in theaters more frequently post its initial run because of that and i think it could be a cool thing where you know the theater you know maybe afs like once a year we're going to show memoria or something like that could be a cool thing to have a chance to go back to it where theaters can show it mm-hmm. later down the line. It'd be interesting to see if that happens or if it just kind of disappears and people don't think about it again, because, because like yeah. at some point, if it's not streaming, it doesn't exist. Right. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's going to be a movie that like we all remember that haunts us that like, did that even happen? <laughs> was, was that, that a dream? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I can also see where Neon is just like, well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's very possible give, they're give saying a year, that, he'll change his mind <laughs> trying to make people go out to the theater now and up ticket sales and then later yeah put it on disc or something yeah yeah that was what i put in my like i had a review that i wrote for it and what i put in there was basically like even if that is what they're gonna do the fact that they stated that this is their claim and they've set up a an infrastructure such that it seems like that's the case i'm like all right uh, you want me over. It makes me think a lot more about how I might get my friends to see it or like what I might engage with in it when I'm going. And like, it just, it preps me different mentally than if I walk out of the worst person in the world and go, oh, that's mm-hmm. good. Um, I might buy that on Blu-ray later. And instead of like, I got to come back to the theater and see, the this. Experience it, see right. this. Yeah. So anyways, that's my recommend. Uh, of course there's a, a heavy grain of salt of like, just please, if you're going to go into it, make sure you take a nice stroll beforehand, slow down your day, like really give it your patience, write yourself a check for four hours, do whatever you're going to do with those, like two of the first hours and then just go see Memoria for that latter. Two. Yeah. I think with movies like this, for me, I actually like watching them during the day. Um, like, you know, we went to see this at us film society at like seven fifteen, which was good. I, I enjoyed the experience there. When I first saw it at Austin film festival back in October, it was showing at like one o'clock at the Paramount. And that was the only time in the whole festival that it was showing. So I went to see it and like, I had just had a cup of coffee and was alert and there was no risk that I was going to fall asleep during it or anything, despite its slow pace. And it was like a really relaxing matinee experience that I really 
enjoyed. And I think if, if that's a, an issue where you maybe have issues falling asleep during movies and like, Oh, if I watch something this slow at night, I'm just going to fall asleep. Um, I usually like watching these kind of slower films during the day. I think it, it's, it's a nice atmosphere to do that. Yeah. I agree. Hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, there you have it. We have a table of recommends. You had sort of a recommend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You were like, yeah, yeah, recommend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He said it was good. It's yeah. good. Yeah. That's a recommend. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rental. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then, um, the last temptation of Christ, not the passion of the Christ. No, uh, I've not seen the passion of the Christ since I was like 14 when it came out. And, uh, I have no idea if it's good or not, but I imagine uh, not. I don't <laughs> yeah. I there's no deeper, there's no deeper thing there. It's, it's just, just blood. It's, yeah. just, <laughs> it's way more violent than faster pussycat kill kill. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. And then Memoria, which if you, if it's in a theater near you, um, I would say, yeah, at, at least see it once and see what you think. Um, feel free to, to drop us a line and let us know what you thought. I've already sent out that call to some of my friends who have planned to go see it Oh, I'd be really that. curious to hear. Yeah, if people caught, left voicemails about what they thought about Memoria, it'd be fun to hear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with that, that brings everything to a close for us here at the Underground Table. Uh, all you groovy cats out there um, <laughs> that are having a gas listening to us. We don't have any square uh, listeners. Yeah. No, they're all cool absolutely. cats. They're all round. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> straight circles. Um, yeah, uh, that's that does it. The, from the table, I have been your host, John Garcia. Uh, with me as always, Ryan King. I'm gonna go crank up some White Zombie on the way home. Yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. Play a game of chicken. Get in that yeah. oncoming lane, maybe. <laughs> 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 Live dangerously. Don't do that, everybody. Responsibly drive. <laughs> uh, and Michael Dixon. Thanks for putting up with our bullshit. Yeah. Nice. Did you want to do a uh, and Michael Dixon where you say it? Because I fucked yeah, it yeah, up. Yeah, he's supposed to say. That's. It. I don't care. That's fine. <laughs> cool. Rad. Hey, did you know you can follow us on social? Myself, I find it annoying, like you. But science says this works, so sit down and listen. Unless you're on your morning run, then run on and listen. We're on Twitter and Instagram at N-O-T-U-T-Pod. Those are platforms fellow kids use these days. Did I mention I work for a social media company and a major messaging platform? If you're an older housewife, check us out on our Facebook page. Feel free to hit us up at Knights of the Underground Table at gmail.com. Let us know if there's something you'd like us to review. I'm old enough to remember when Gmail wasn't a thing. Please leave us a voicemail on Anchor. We actually check those things. We'd love to hear from you. Check out the episode description for more detail. Subscribe to us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review on that favorite platform. Our overlords need to reinforce their self-delusion that they're providing a non-evil product. 